come on in, find your seats, and open your Bibles to 2 Samuel. All right, I am so glad to be back with you. Uh, unfortunately, Christian is home. Uh, he and Nora are homesick, so he's, he's wishing he could be back as well. We miss our church, and so it was an amazing trip. There are so many things to tell you about that, so many stories, um, but we don't have time this morning. We're going to preach the word, but anyways, just do want to say it's so good to be back, and unfortunately, Christian is watching via the live stream. Everybody wave to Christian, and, uh, and uh, hopefully, uh, God willing, he will be back with us next week. Listen, I have some difficult news, um, some sad news uh, to announce to you, um, but... Uh, our brother, Bill Dodson, uh, was in an accident uh, a little over a week ago while we were away. Uh, he flies an ultralight, um, and uh, he had an accident. Uh, he has been in the hospital past week. Well, he, he passed uh, a few days ago, and so, uh, so sad to announce that to you. Please be in prayer uh, for his wife, Sandra, and uh, those of you who who know her, um, please reach out to her, cards, flowers, um, and uh, meals. So, let's pray for her. Uh, Father, we lift up Sandra to you, Lord, and just ask for just, uh, Lord, who you are. You are, by your spirit, you are the comforter. And we ask that you would come and comfort our sister, Lord, Um Lord, we pray that you would do what only you can do. Lord, um, words fail us. Um, and our ability to minister and care and comfort, Lord, we, we recognize just how, how weak we are. Lord, but thank you. She, she knows you. She has a, she has a better Savior. And... Uh, Lord, as she looks to you, I pray that you would comfort her and care for her. And Lord, I pray that you would bless her um, by surrounding her with, with uh, brothers and sisters who love and care for her and will care, care in these coming days. Lord, I pray that you would, um, by your spirit, give her grace and mercy in this time, in her time of need. Lord, we trust that you will. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as was mentioned earlier, it's hard to, sometimes in services, it's, it's hard to make transitions, but transition we must. Um, and so before I preach, I just want to make mention that the Grace Partnership Conference is taking place this February. Some of you have already registered for that. It's going to be an amazing conference. We actually this year have a guest speaker. His name's Jeff Metters. Uh, he wrote the book, Humble Calvinism, and I really look forward to you um, getting the chance to both meet him and sit under his teaching. And then I also just want to make note that starting next week, we start, can you believe it? We start Advent season next week. And so our Advent series title is, What Child Is This? And we're going to be answering that question each week um, in, the, in the sermon. So we're going to be taking a break from... Samuel, our Samuel series, 
And I do want to encourage you, it's just a great opportunity, whether it be the Advent series or whether it be the Christmas party. Um, some of you have asked, will we, will we meet on Christmas Day? And the answer is absolutely. It's Sunday. We're meeting. Um, come and join us. Uh, and uh, we'll also have a Christmas Eve service. So um, lots of opportunities to be inviting folks um, who don't know our Lord and Savior and uh, to to uh, hear the gospel will be preached, guess what? Next Sunday and the week after that and the week after that, we're going to preach the gospel at Trinity, and that just gives opportunity for folks to respond to the gospel. So with that, this morning is titled Responding to Kindness, and we're in 2 Samuel 9 and 10, and though this isn't our text this morning, I do want to have this layered as a foundation, if you will. Lamentations 3, many of you know it well. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, I would love to preach that text, um, but we're not going to do that this morning. I decide, We decided that we would do chapter 9 and 10 together in one sermon because I think it's important for us to see them back to back, both those chapters. Uh, I think they were recorded back to back on purpose. Both chapters are about, are about the kindness of the king, King David. And in one chapter, chapter 9, his kindness is received and accepted, and it's lavish and it's surprising. Um, in, in the lavish kindness that's being offered. So chapter 9, kindness is received. In chapter 10, kindness is equally shocking. On the other side of the coin, completely rejected. Chapter 9, kindness accepted. Chapter 10, kindness rejected. Both of those kindness coming from the king, King David. Let's pause and pray. Father, we ask that you would come and be with us over these next moments as we preach your word. Lord, open up our hearts Lord, you have extended kindness to us this morning. Just that we be, would even be in the room hearing your word preached, what kindness has come to us. Lord, thank you for your kindness of the gospel being poured out into our lives that we have, many of us, have accepted your kindness. Praise be to you, our Lord and God. But Lord, we're also aware there may be those who are here this morning who are rejecting your kindness. And I ask that you would have mercy. And I ask that you would open eyes and darkened hearts, Lord, to your truth. Lord, would you do what only you can do? Lord, we can't preach people into salvation. Only you, by your spirit, can come and minister to hearts this morning and open hearts. And we're asking, would you do that today? By your power and your mercy and grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've only got two points for us this morning. The first one is chapter 9. It's a, it's a lavish and surprising and covenantal kindness that we see in chapter 9. Now, I want to bring a note about this kindness because of how we think about When you hear the word kindness, we think of it kind, in, in in ways like this. A boy opens the door for his mother and his sister. Ah, oh, isn't that kind? 
a husband or a wife plans a special night out. Well, wasn't that kind? We talk about in our culture act, uh, random acts of kindness. You, you, you maybe, maybe you pay it forward. And we hear things like, oh, that's so kind. I just need to point out to you, that's not what chapter 9 is talking about. Those are sweet, kind things. But the word here in chapter 9 has teeth. It's got an edge to it. It's the word in the original language, it's the word hesed. It means, well, it's, it's most often in Scripture referring to the Lord's kindness. It's most often referring to the Lord's covenantal kindness. It's got teeth. It's got an edge to it. It's not just kind of a sweet, kind thing that a boy does for his mother. It means... Um, more than just nice, nice words, nice, nice kind things. It means covenantal kindness. In the King James Version, if you've got that, um, it's translated his loving kindness. Okay, so it's kind of building some adjectives to, to the word. But I want you to think of it as his lavish, covenantal, even, even a surprising kindness. We ought to be surprised by the kindness of the Lord towards sinful man. Hesed is a word typically used in reference to the, the Lord's kindness. And here we're going to see that it's the king's kindness, but it's the same word. And so hesed, it means God's covenant, faithful kindness towards his unfaithful, covenant-breaking people. Hesed. And so whenever you see in the text, as we begin to read it, the word kindness, know that that's that word, hesed. So think God's lavish, covenantal, surprising kindness. Let's read verse number one, chapter nine. And David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show him Kindness, Hesed, for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Mechur, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Mechur to the son of Amiel at Lodibar. Now, let's pause there. I want us to remember that David has already received what? Covenant from God, right? And we took four weeks to preach covenant, two weeks just in Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 7. I hope you remember that. Those are important for us to just have as foundation to what's going on here. Be reminded, David has done nothing to earn that covenant. 
covenant will not be based on David's efforts. It was entirely based on the mercy and the gracious kindness of the Lord, the Hesed kindness of the Lord. But here's what covenant mercies will do to the recipient. What it, what it, what it does to David, what we're going to see here in the text, what it ought to do to all of us as well. For those of us who are in Christ, you have placed your faith in Christ and his covenant kindness has come to you. There is a, there is a response to that. Undeserved mercy recipients become mercy givers to undeserved people around us. You give away what you've been given. And David has received, and he's received the grace and mercy, the hesed kindness of the, of the Lord. Not because he's deserved it. He didn't deserve it, but he's been given to him. He received that, and now he wants to give and be gracious and merciful to others. In this case, it's a person, the person that he wants to be gracious and generous towards is quite surprising. Little time out. Mercy has come to you, Christian. Came to you in, in our sinfulness. The Bible says we were enemies of God. The mercy of God came to us. Unmerited kindness has rained down on us. And it ought to daily surprise us. Amaze us and astound us. What do we as recipients of mercy do with that? We offer mercy and kindness. Too often in our day, Christians are simply just disgusted with the world. Disgusted with unbelievers. They expect the world of darkness to have light. Too often Christians run in the other direction rather than lovingly, mercifully engaging them. We are recipients of God's covenantal grace. We've received kindness. Let us live in this world offering kindness. Time in. David asks, is there anyone else left in the house of Saul? Now why is David asking this? We've got to go back in our Samuel series to answer that question because there are two covenants at play here. One, I've already mentioned the covenant that God mercifully made with David, but the other is a covenant that was made between Jonathan and David. All right, this is Jonathan, the crippled man's dad. There was a covenant. And so I believe it'll be on the screen, 1 Samuel 20. So we're going back to our series in 1 Samuel. says this, Jonathan speaking, if I am still alive, show me, the steadfast love of the Lord, that's the Hesed, all right, that I may not die and do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Then he says, and Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord take vengeance. Remember what covenant is. And the breaking of the covenant, what that means, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. It gets repeated later on in the same chapter. I'm not going to take the time to read that right now. Well, Saul's family has been dying off. And so David asks, anyone left from Saul's family? 
And Ziba says, yeah, there's this cripple guy. He's over there in Lodibar. Which brings us, we're going to poke through this chapter. There are at least, at least eight, I'm going to call them gospel sightings in this, in this chapter. Gospel sighting number one. Covenant comes to the broken, to the cripple. Covenant comes to the broken. It comes to cripples. Cripples, cripple. Just it, it's interesting that that's a thing here in this chapter. Like it's it's mentioned and it gets mentioned again, and it's as if this servant Ziba just wants the king to know he's crippled. By the way, he's crippled. Covenant comes to the cripple. Cripple is the effect of the fall, the blindness, the deafness, the cancer, the illness, the. The death, uh, 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 disease of all sorts, we are all crippled in some way. And it ought to remind us in our crippledness, I'm talking physically right now, in our crippledness, it, it ought to remind us we live in a fallen world. Now, some of you are young and you're like, I'm not crippled. And I just encourage you, keep living. You'll get there. You just need to keep living. You will join us, the party of the cripples. And it's just to, yeah, to be humorous, but to say we're a broken people. Physically, spiritually, we're a broken, cripple people. We are spiritually broken. And the kindness, the Hesed covenantal, surprising covenant of the Lord comes to crippled people, broken people. And here we have this man. This crippled man. He's unable to fix himself. And you and I in our sinfulness, we are unable to bring healing to our spiritual souls. But what's more, the crippled man would have never been accepted or welcomed into the kingdoms of man. What good is this man to King David? What does he bring? It's as if the servant is letting him know. Well, there is this guy, but he's crippled. What sort of security will he bring to the kingdom of man? What sort of servant is he going to be in David's kingdom? And the answer is, he's dead weight. He offers nothing to the kingdom. He can't even defend. He can't serve the kingdom. What is the king going to do with this man? Well, he's going to bless him. He's going to bless the broken man, and he's going to welcome him in to the kingdom. At which point I want to remind you of Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the king. That's the Hesed, covenantal, surprising, lavish grace of God poured out into our lives. The, the hymn writer said, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. What a beautiful gospel sighting we have here right off the bat in Samuel chapter 9. Bring the broken to me so I can bless that man. Bring me that guy who's got nothing to offer the kingdom. 
Bring him in and I'll provide for him protection and security. I will, I will be his source of security where he can't even provide it to himself. I will be his king because I made a covenant with his dad. and He belongs to me. Gospel siding, number two. The covenant comes to you and me before we were born. Mephibosheth received mercy for a covenant that was made on his behalf before he ever was. The covenant wasn't made with him. It was made with his dad on behalf of him. Before he was crippled, which, by the way, was a result of fleeing. It was actually a result of some of Saul's folly. We won't get into that. You can go back. Before he was crippled, before he was born, out of a friendship, there was a covenant relationship. And David promised to care for Jonathan's family. And Paul writes to the Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And Paul gets it. What's the response to all that? To the praise of his glorious grace, which with he has blessed us in the beloved. This is amazing, good news. How convinced are you that there is nothing that you bring to your salvation except your brokenness? Scripture, not me, says you were chosen before you ever were. Because in the wisdom of God, before you and I ever were, before the foundation of the world, God determined, it says, to adopt you into his kingdom. And it's according to the purpose of his will. And I join with Paul to say, to the praise of his glorious grace, may he be praised. Verse 3, and the king said, Is there not someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Gospel citing number 3. Covenant comes to the enemy. David asked, Anyone left from Saul's house? Well, in this culture, that question was to mean... Are there any remaining threats to my kingdom? A new king would often kill off all previous relatives, members of the family of the previous king, because any one of them could be a threat to the new kingdom. There would be those in the kingdom who would be Loyal to the, to, the, to the family, to that family member who remained. And so the question comes, anyone left? There should be some fear with the answer. 
Who do I need to deal with? As I set up the new kingdom. And this guy Zeba speaks up and says, Jonathan has a son. He's crippled in his feet. It's as if to say, hey, there's one remaining, but he's no threat to you. Romans 5.10 For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Surprising covenantal kindness has come to you and I not when we got all cleaned up not when we, when we were no longer broken. No, it came to us when we were his enemies. Mercy has come. Gospel citing number four. Covenant comes to nobodies. Ziba, verse four. Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he's in the house of Mechur, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Mechur, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. So far, we don't know the guy's name. I've mentioned it, but so far, if you're reading through the text, it's not been mentioned. He's just the crippled guy. He is the no name. But he's from Lodibar, which means not a pasture. Not a pasture, meaning it's, it's, it's a wasteland. It, it can't even be grazed. It's, it's, he is no one from nowhere. No man's land. Who is this guy? He's got to be somebody to receive the king's kindness. No, he's nobody. And he's from nowhere. So Paul says to Corinthians, to the Corinthians in chapter 1, For consider your calling, brothers, Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Who who are we? Where are we from? What greatness comes from us? Oh, praise be to God. We, We are nobodies from nowhere. We are Lodabar. Verse 6, And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, fell on his face, and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. Listen to what David says. David said to him, Do not fear. Right? Do not fear. Because he should be afraid. He's probably afraid. My life is ending right here. For I will show you kindness. It's the word hesed. For the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. You shall eat at my table always. Gospel citing number five. Covenant comes to people who ought to be afraid. 
do not fear. Why does he say that? Because he should be afraid. He needs to be told, it's okay, buddy. You're not going to die today. Why did the angel say to Mary, the Virgin Mary, don't be afraid? Well, because it's probably a fearful thing when an angel shows up and then tells you that you're with child and she had never known a man. Why does the angel show up at the tomb and greets the ladies that morning and say, do not be afraid? (laughs) There's a reason why the angels are recorded multiple times. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Ah, us standing before a holy God need to be reminded, don't be afraid. Don't misunderstand. Fear him. Don't be afraid. Mephibosheth has every right to be afraid. He ought to be afraid. But the king says, don't be afraid because I'm going to show you kindness. The Hesed covenantal love of the Lord. I will show you this kindness leads us to the next point. For the sake of someone else. Gospel citing number six. Covenant comes to those viewed through the grid of someone else. Mephibosheth, this is not about you. I'm saving you, not because of you, not because you're great. I'm offering you mercy because I view you through the grid of your dad. You have a family member. And we were friends. We made covenant together. You're connected to me through your dad. Friend, brothers and sisters, you come to the king of kings. Come trembling in awe and fear of the Lord, but don't be afraid. Because even in your brokenness, even us who were once an enemy of God, we've been accepted because God views you through the grid of someone else. Praise be to God. (laughs) You are viewed through Christ Jesus, his sacrifice. Yes, come in awe and trembling, and I'll even say fear, and yet come with what Hebrews would say, with confidence. Because you're viewed through the grid of another. If you come, come through the grid of another, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't don't come simply of your own righteousness, of your own morality. Ah, Friends, if you're coming and you're saying, On that day, when you stand before God the judge, holy, 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 and you stand before him, and you're saying, here I am. I bring to you my morality. I bring to you my goodness. I bring to you my good efforts. At least I wasn't as bad as him or as her. Here I am. Then, friend, only come trembling. It's a fearful thing, that mindset. If you do not know Christ, if you are not living for Christ, if you are not trusting in him for the forgiveness of your sins, then the trembling and the fear, be afraid, friends. Be afraid. 
Because you are saying, thank you, Christ, for your sacrifice on the cross. But no, thank you. I will go it alone. I choose to one day stand before the almighty God on my own merits. I invite you to repent and to come to Christ. So that you would one day come to God the Father. Not on your own merits, but on the merit of Christ Jesus and his sacrifices, his perfect life, death, and resurrection. That you place your trust in him. But for the follower of Christ, Isaiah 41 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you you with my righteous right hand. Back to 2 Samuel, verse 8, and he paid homage. Mephibosheth did. What is, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Reminds you of Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of me? What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons, this is Ziba, you and your sons and your, your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Wow. What in the world is Mephibosheth thinking on this day? Now Ziba had 15 sons, 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. And then it just reminds us, now he was lame in both of his feet. Once again, this man is being viewed by the king through the grid of another. Praise be to God. If you're a follower of Christ, so are you. So am I. Gospel citing number seven. Covenant comes as an inheritance. He says in verse seven, all that belongs to Saul. It's now yours. (laughs) Covenant comes as an inheritance. He receives the estate of his grandpa. Grandpa, Grandpa Saul, who was a massive thorn in David's side. Amazing. David is not just acting, not, not, not just based on Jonathan, but on Saul, his enemy, Saul. The king says... To this nobody from nowhere, who was poor, crippled, some would say probably a slave. He's being told, now Ziba will be your servant, and all of his sons and servants will be your servant. And it says, he's living in Lodibar, but no longer. You'll now live in the kingdom, and you will feast at the king's table. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 
Gospel citing, Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Gospel citing, number 8. Covenant comes, you will eat at the king's table forever. (laughs) And Mephibosheth says, what? And the people of God say, huh? The nobody from nowhere, who's more of an enemy to the king than he is a friend, who is from the line of Saul, who tormented David and had him on the run, hiding in caves. This guy could have never imagined these words. You're going to eat at my table, the king's table. (laughs) Let me ask us. Are you stunned at communion? When we take communion, do do you realize, recognize what's going on? Because it can become so religious, right? Something that we just religiously just go through the motions and do. Oh, friends, next time we take communion, be stunned. You're being invited to the table of the King of Kings. You're the nobody from nowhere, the crippled, broken. And the king of kings says, come to the table. But not only that, be even more stunned. That's the already. The not yet. The not yet is be stunned at the table in eternity where you will eat Revelation 19, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. Like the roar of many waters and like the sound of many mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Praise him. Praise him. Who is Mephibosheth Mephibosheth, to come and sit at the king's table? And who am I and who are you to ever sit, ever take a single cup or bread celebrating the Lord's death, his body broken, his blood poured out? Who are we to ever do that once? Who are we that we will do that? For eternity. And so Mephibosheth is invited to the table and it's told again and again that that's, that's to be forever. Mephibosheth must have said, wow. No category for this kindness. Well, secondly, chapter 10, there's an equally surprising kindness that's rejected. We don't turn the page and it doesn't say and they lived happily ever after. The gospel 
is good news, but it is no fairy tale. The Hesed will continue in chapter 10, but it takes this surprising twist because not everyone wants to receive the king's kindness. And as shocking as we should, we should be so shocked by chapter 9, we should be equally shocked by, shocked by chapter 10. Chapter 9, why, who am I? Why in the world would I receive such kindness? Chapter 10, why in the world would you reject such kindness? So verse 1 and 2, and after this, the king of the Ammonites died. And Hanun, his son, reigned in his place. And David said, I will deal loyally. That word loyally, guess what it translates to? Hesed. I'm going to show you this covenant love of the Lord. So I will deal loyally with Hanun, the son of Nahash, as his father dealt loyally with me. So David sent by his servants to console him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land of the Ammonites. And it would have been common for a king at this point, again, the Ammonites are an enemy. And they're, at, they're, they're, they're a weak enemy at this point. They're, they, their king has died. They're in between kings. The new king is taken. This is an opportunity to expose the weakness. It's an opportunity to attack your enemy. And instead, kindness is offered. And he seeks to console Hanun. Verse 3, But the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanun, their lord, do you think because David has sent comforters to you? Like they can't even believe it. What's going on here? This cannot just be kindness. Do you think because David has sent comforters to you that he is honoring your father? Has not David sent his servants to you to search the city and spy it out and to overthrow it? So Hanan took David's servants, shaved off the beard of each, uh, half the beard of each, cut off their garments in the middle at their hips and sent them away. When it was told David, he sent to meet them for the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, remain at Jericho. Oh boy. Until your beards have grown and then return. Chapter nine. Kindness offered and accepted. Chapter 10, kindness offered and then rejected. The king's men are literally mocked and shamed. And the king's kindness is rejected with great shame. And that's the reality. Not just of the text. That's the reality that exists Right here in this room today. Kindness is offered by the king of kings. And some will accept the Lord's kindness. And some will literally say, I reject it. And I want to appeal to you. Chapter 10. Folks who are rejecting Lord's kindness. I want to appeal to you that you might repent. You might cry out to the Lord for the forgiveness of your sins and that you might accept the Lord's kindness towards you. That you are here this morning and hearing even that appeal, however weak or lamely I am offering that appeal, know that you're here this morning by the sovereign hand of God to hear the appeal that you might respond to Him in His kindness. 
So David tells the men that were ashamed, that were shamed, wait in Jericho. Clothe yourself, let your beards grow out and spare yourself further shame and then return. Verse six, when the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David, oh boy. The Ammonites sent and they hired Syrians. And, and so there's gonna be a bunch of hiring of these, they're, they're building up an army. Let me jump all the way down to Joab. When Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in, the, in charge of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. And he said, if the Assyrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I'm coming to your help. And here's how he closes. Be of good courage. Let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And hear this, and may the Lord do what seems good to him. Let's, let's give it to the Lord. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. So these verses, there's a lot of military maneuvering taking place and it ends with that great speech. And it's, it's a different Joab. Joab has grown up. There's a maturity at this point. This is, this is wise and calm and strategic as opposed to spontaneous and reactive and quick. And in the end, he's saying there, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's leave it to the Lord. And he will do what seems good to him. And then in verse 13 and 14, Joab and the people come to battle against the Syrians and the Syrians flee, which causes the Ammonites to flee. And then in verses 15 and 16, the, the Syrians regather Verse 17, there's a battle again, and once again the Syrians are defeated, and once again they flee. Which all of this makes you wonder, why didn't they just receive the king's kindness? What are we doing here? And it's so obviously foolish, isn't it? When we see it on the page. It's so obviously foolish on the page, and yet it's just not so obvious, obviously foolish when it comes to our, our lives at times. Why set yourself up to oppose the king? He's a good king. Make peace with him. And what I'm saying is, is that's the folly of our day as well. And John 3.16 still rings true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 2 Samuel 10, it ends in verse 19. And when all the kings who were servants of Hadad, Hadad, yeah, Hadadazer, you practice, you practice, and it doesn't matter, saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and became subject to them. So the Syrians were afraid to save the Ammonites anymore. And so there's three groups here. First group, those who make peace with the king. Second group, there were the Syrians who were afraid to work with the Ammonites anymore. Let's not partner up with them. That hasn't gone well for us. So they're going to keep it, keep it, uh, keep it, keep their distance and play it safe. Third, and then there's the Ammonites, and they continue to reject, and they refuse to align themselves with the king. And that describes us in our day today. Kindness has been offered by the king of kings. And you either make peace with the king or you keep a safe distance. So you think, keep my distance from him. 
keep a distance from an offer of kindness. And thirdly, there's just the outright, outright I'm going to reject his kindness. And I want to ask us, as a worship team, would you come and join me on the platform that we might respond? Which chapter best describes you? Chapter 9 and chapter 10 describe everyone in the room. Are you chapter 9 where kindness has been offered and you're just stunned and humbled and quite frankly, you're going, what is happening here? How in the world could I be this recipient of this kindness Chapter 9, there's a response in both chapters. In chapter 9, the response is for the believer. Praise Him. Praise our God. I don't mean sing a song. We're going to do that in a minute. By all means, praise Him as we sing, our, sing this song. But no, praise Him. I give you my life in worship to you. But there's also a response in chapter 10. And it's the recognition. Kindness has been offered. And you have been rejecting that kindness. And rejecting and rejecting and rejecting. Maybe you even saying, Well someday I'll accept his kindness. Now there's an opportunity for you to respond this morning as well. Repent. Call out to the Lord. Who's offering you his kindness today. And receive him. Would you stand together with me? What an opportunity it is for us as a church to close out our time together lifting our voices and saying what is man that you are mindful of me praise be to God we're the crippled we're the enemy ah but we're viewed through the grid of someone else and a covenant has been made Hesed kindness comes to you and I this morning praise him praise him praise him